Welcome in listeners to a very special episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We are traveling across the sea and abroad today as we are heading over to the great country of England and being joined today by writer-performer Tommy Langdale and Pi Artworks London Gallery assistant Harper Doyle, who are here to talk to us today about their new show, Nobody's Bear, playing the 4th of May through the 14th of May at Pi Artworks Fitzrovia in London. You can get tickets and more information by visiting timeoutlondon.com. But in the meantime, we are excited to welcome all the way from London, Tommy and Harper from Nobody's Bear. Welcome to Whisper. Hello. Whisper. Hi. Hi. Hello, New York. How are you doing? Welcome. Yes, we're so excited to have both of you. Loving the, the global global connection here. More importantly, loving the show that you are bringing onto our program today. I'm so excited about this. We've been previously chatting that I actually found you, Tommy, before, well, I found your show before I found you, but I connected with you because I, I looked, I took one quick look at your show and I was like, dude with a bear mask, like bear head on. I don't know about this. Let's just keep going. And then <laughs> to me and you're like, hey, I've got this great show. And I looked into your show and I was like, oh, this thing again. But then I read into it and I went, oh, but this thing, like, it sounds so incredible. So Tommy, can you tell us a little bit about the show that you have come up with and that you're you're performing in? Yes, of course. I mean, I'm excited to hear how you became intrigued in the show in itself because Nobody's Bear is very much about that. It's, it, you know, I'm hiding underneath this bear mask and there's so much more to it and the universe that is Nobody's Bear as a show. So I quite like even that your initial intrigue was set about like that. Nobody's Bear is, it's a musical theatre piece and a collection of art pieces that that's all amalgamated and mashed together very similar to how my mind works as a, a neurodivergent artist I have ADHD and I have well I've been untreated for ADHD my whole life so I was diagnosed as a, as a kid and I grew up in the late 80s which was an era where we played no nonsense and that meant that most of us learned how to build armor and tools to get through life and end up where we are. And now everything has led to this point where <clears throat> I'm producing this solo piece of work that is 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 very biographical. It's, it is about me, yet it's relatable to everyone. And it's about everyone. And it's about no one. And it's about me. And it's not about me. And so nobody's bare. He becomes everybody's bear. And the more you get to learn about this little cartoon bear, he's he's an actual entity. He's a he's a whole thing like uh, Paddington or any other really famous cool bear. And he's the bit of a the hero in a fantasy story. And nobody's bear is my protection against the world. And when I feel most attacked or most alive or most sensitive to the universe and the things that I feel inside nobody's bear comes to the forefront and kind of saves the day he's a little bit of a hero so the show is kind of a fantasy story that relates to everybody in a way because we all have the expanse of our mind as some of us have a lot of it open at the same time so that's where the show kind of sits it's something on the surface and then 
when you get inside, it's as endless as the question of where did the universe come from? You can just keep going and going and going, uh, which is <clears throat> typical of people with ADHD like me. <laughs> Well, that sounds incredible. And it is a, I love that you said it's a musical theater piece because at first I read it was like a dance theater piece. And, and I was like, uh -huh. there's a lot of dance in this. And there's a lot of photos of this dancing, uh, what it looks like to be you dancing in this bear costume, yes, heart bear yes. costume, which looks amazing. But to add that musical element to it, now I'm, I'm even more perplexed into it, you know, where yes. all the marks. Yes, I, I, I have a musical theatre background and I've been in shows in London, like My Fair Lady with Helena Blackman. I was in West Side Story at Cork Opera House. I played Action and many other shows. I was on tour with Sir Tim Rice as one of his lead vocalists as well. And so I've, shows wise, I've gone from big ensemble pieces down to traveling with Tim Rice down to just me and my mind in London next month and this story about a bear. So it really is this huge collection of things. My poetry is in it. There's songs that have influenced me through my life. So the musical genre sits <clears throat> late 80s, early 90s with there's snippets of music from like Annie Lennox. There's some stuff from Spring Awakening in there. There's some original sound mashups that I've made myself that include my own poetry. And it's a real display of the neurodiverse mind and how we have all cylinders going all the time it is all and everything at once it's overly immersive it's overly saturated and you and you should feel that intensity when 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 you come or when you experience the show and the the bare head itself because that's not actually nobody's bear that's me performing as nobody's bear he's actually a really cool cartoon bear that i've painted out of oils and he'll also be displayed during the show as well <laughs> sounds amazing how did you come up with the idea of the show well originally i wanted to do something more commercial and i had a whole load of other ideas i was collaborating with Pie Artworks, the gallery. I'd been invited as a choreographer to be involved in an amazing event that had loads of collaborative artists. And we then started spiraling into my artistry and, and what I'd want to do with the show. With the guidance of the fabulous people at Pi and, and their art leadership, it ended up being something way more close to home. And I created a story that was about me and my teddy bear growing up. He's actually the real bear, the OG bear that actually starts off is in the background on that bed. And he's really, really very special. He is nearly the inspiration around it. He's a little care bear. And my bear is a rougher, hardier <clears throat> version of that bear. Like a Pokemon, he's like an evolved version. And so it's kind of happened quite naturally that the show has evolved into all of this new work and ideas, but then all of the work through my life. That there are sections in this show and things that I've written at so many crucial times in my life. It's, it's kind of happened organically and now it's a real expression of who I am. So it is all, it, you know, it, it actually was as magic as, it was as accidental and there was no purpose or drive behind it. I started creating, I started thinking about this bear 
and now this whole shape and world has has come about, which is nobody's bearing his world and the universe that he lives in. I, I love <laughs> that background story. What, now, how long have you been working on this project? It's been the last few months that we've put the legs behind it, and we've and and the team has come together, and we're launching Instagrams and things like that. But the work itself, I've been writing most of my life. One of the there are a few stories that 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 interlink through it. And I've been writing them since I was a young teen. See, it's also personal and amazing that to me, one is called The Seven Keys of Eleanor. And in the end of the show, I reference Eleanor, which is heaven. And you learn that in, in nobody's bare world, Eleanor is this beautiful place that's so safe and so fluffy and so gorgeous. And we all have this, this place that we might want to go to. And in my version of the story, it's called Eleanor. I started writing that as a young teen and all of the work it this feels like I've been writing it my whole life to this point and I'm taking excerpts of things that that are authentically a part of me that I could I couldn't recreate in this time they come from a time when my mind was in a different space when I was given different visions and messages and now it's all being translated into the show so I've been writing it most of my life wow that <laughs> That sounds amazing. And I didn't even think about the idea of when you've written it at a, at a different time and you bring it to now, it's like written in a different language. Like you have to Absolutely. I literally read one of my poems today that's included in, that, that is showcased in a dance form. And it's about a willow tree. And I couldn't encapsulate that feeling now. I couldn't have even pretended or tried to recreate how mm -hmm. I felt during that time in my life or what it meant. And some of the things that I've written were in such interesting places. I, I wrote a version of The Wizard of Oz whilst in the middle of the ocean near the Antarctic. And I wrote it by hand. And there are excerpts of that where nobody's there and me. I mean, I played multiple characters because it's quite a fantasy story. So it, it, it does kind of follow a kind of personal version of me telling a story about a bear and all these other fantasies that are in my mind. So there's even an excerpt of The Wizard of Oz where I play the scarecrow and I'm talking to Dorothy. But what's fascinating, even when I read it back myself, is how much I'm learning about myself and neurodiversity and other neurodivergent people with creating this and putting it together for Nobody's Bear. I still like to say that I am very unique and special, yet there is an awful lot of things that bring neurodiverse people together and people with ADHD and we share so much and we have so many things in common that that's been quite fascinating. It's been a big eye opener. I want to put a pin in that thought because I want to come back to it. I just want to slip in here real fast. Is this the first time your work is being premiered or has it had a chance to be showcased somewhere else before? That's a bit of both. This will be the first time for my own solo creation that I'm starring in. I have a background in direction and creation as well. And when I grew up in Cambridge, I created musicals and shows and I wrote classic adaptations in circus big tops. And they were very immersive arenas and I had aerial artists and all sorts of things. So I've created work for over 15 years and, and had a voice where I've put together a story, but it's been an adaptation. So I've taken many, many stories. I put them together. There were some original characters in there. This is the first time where I feel so exposed as me, the individual, just my voice, just my story. 
and me within the work is unique because it doesn't feel like the first time. I do feel like a seasoned performer, as it were, but it is the absolute first time debuting on my own. So it's that beautiful yin and yang. I feel so at home here and I am absolutely terrified, which also excites me because it doesn't happen that often at how new a moment it is. That is so cool. Now, I want to come back to what we put the pin in about the work being by someone who's neurodivergent, in a sense, for people who are neurodivergent. And I want to ask, like, what has it been like developing your show? I didn't see the elements coming together. That's what I found quite fascinating. I started writing. Often when I write, I have to draw and I have a vision of something that I see or a place. And then I can paint and draw that or sketch it. And then there's a whole series of words that go with it, sometimes just diaries. And then I go back and I look over all of that and then it builds from there. I only became aware that I am neurodiverse and therefore everything I do and say comes from this deeper, intense place of lots of empathy and lots of heightened sensitivity around anything I think and feel. We don't have surface level feelings we don't think about things on this one level ever we see a surface and we think everything that's behind it which is why people sometimes think that for neurodiverse people you know it is so challenging because we we have so many thoughts and we talk a lot and there's all this energy but it's because we look and see beyond so much stuff so my work is always about the universe it's one of these the show you can sit back and it's a teddy bear and there's milkshakes and it's commercial. You can eat it. It's got a McDonald's vibe. You can just, you don't have to dive in. You can enjoy and go, mm, that's nice singing. That's nice dancing. Mm, that's good. But if you want, you can just pick a few layers under and you can get deeper. Then you can ask why and you can keep going and you can ask why and you can keep going. And my entire mind does that with every single interaction I have on this planet, from our interaction now to any interaction with anyone, I'm constantly thinking about the subtext, the, the energy behind what someone's saying, their body language, the feeling in the room, how other people are feeling in the world at that moment, how uh, uh, countless things, my mind is never in, in that one place. And the show dives into that. And so isn't just for neurodivergent people, it's for people that spend their time around these neurodivergent people and even helps them recognize or see their own son or brother in the work as well yeah so it's kind of it's come together very naturally which has also then freaked me out because again I'm that person I believe everything happens for a reason and I have all these other thoughts so I'm like I've really been brought to this place to tell this story and yeah I hope that people do connect with it I I I what I would love and and hope that other neurodivergent people see it and go, ah, oh, I've got a version of that bear. They have their own version. They they their own their own protection, their own defense that they built, their own special universal X Man magic. But I hope that they recognize and see it, and that other people see that and go, oh, so that's how some of these people cope, or that's how they think. I love a good show like that. Harper, is it okay if I bring you in here? Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> 
Well, I didn't forget about you. You, of course, are the assistant at the Pi Artworks London Gallery, which is producing this show. And I want to know, what has it been like for all of you at Pi Artworks producing the show and developing this show? Well, if I'm honest, like nothing I've ever done before. I mean, my background's in fine art rather than performing art. And as Tommy said, we actually met because he came to the art gallery, Pi Artworks, where I work and as a performer for one of our artists and that's where this idea was sort of born and we started snowballing this production idea and now it's all coming together but yeah so in terms of like theatre production it's been a total learning experience for me it's very different to say putting on a traditional art show but it really lends its space the gallery I think to this really immersive idea that Tommy's going for so it's very open but it can also be divided up it, you know, it can force people into slightly confined spaces. So elements of the show do, you, you know, the audience isn't sat still for the whole show. Yeah. And there's that idea again that like, I'm not someone who's neurodivergent, but I'm suddenly really uncomfortable in what should be a normal, normal daily interaction, but it's part of the show and the setup. So I'm really excited to see how that element comes together and how this like physicality will come together in the gallery space. And again, it's like, something completely new it's a west end performance but i also look at it as a piece of performance art because it's in this space and it is slightly different you know it's not in a theater yes. so that adds a little something to it as well exactly i love that, that. So cool it's, and so it sounds very immersive too which is amazing yes what harper's just touched on was is is so cool i've been so excited about collaborating with the gallery and and bringing the the arts world was the correct place for this show to be displayed and not not just somewhere like a west end theater because as as harper said it, it it lends itself to us to be able to do so much more with the space and i even like the concept she touched on with us forcing people into spaces because people don't stay static in the show there are different sections and rooms that you'll pass through during the production Lovely. Well, that's a perfect segue into my next question, which is what is the message or thought you hope that audiences take away from your show? I really, really hope that people with neurodiversity or families that live with people that are neurodiverse, I I really want the moment where they actually go, oh, that's that's me or that's my son. Oh, my God. That's I see that I want that, those instant recognize those those recognition moments that people have. And I want them to have them in that moment where they didn't think that they were going to connect or see themselves or someone they love in that moment. But they do. And I want them to walk away and, and understand that people's minds can be in so many other places at the same time and that we're not and not everything is just surface interactions I think it will make the world a lot it would make the world a lot kinder place I want people to be surprised by how they feel about the show I want I want them to go oh my god I understand what neurodiversity is I understand what ADHD is I understand I, oh, I see that I want that recognition where they see it in someone else I want that point of recognition. I want people to walk away with a point of recognition, whether it's once, twice, three times, the whole show, even just one part, where they go, oh, or they see themselves in it. It's a human reflective thing. That's what I want. Yes. I hope, and so he or she should, or whoever, however you identify, 
because that's actually vastly interesting with people with ADHD in particular, because we could identify as anything beyond even everyone else. Because remember, this is what's important. And this is a message, I say it now, even on this podcast, to people with neurodiversity, if they haven't realized yet, that we are X-Men. We are superhuman. We, we have extra powers. We are the living Jedi. We feel everything. If if someone with ADHD, that's the thing, and I really want people to feel and understand that. When someone with ADHD feels sad, they feel a deeper sadness than you could ever possibly describe. And when we feel happy, it is beyond elation that you could ever experience, which is why, again, people are like, oh, whoa, he's a lot. Oh, he never stops talking. Oh, he's got too much energy. These things happen because all we're doing is experiencing a lot of the world at the same time. You're all experiencing the same thing, but slowly and in different sections. I'm experiencing it full frontal all the time. Yes. Harper, what about you? What is the message or thought you're hoping people take away from Nobody's Bear? Obviously the same vein as Tommy. I think this it would be lovely if it reaches even just like one person viewing it and goes, oh wait, that's me. Or like, oh, I understand why, yeah, my brother behaves that way now. Or that's what that means when my best friend does this kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think as well, like, what's really interesting about it, like, as you described at the start, you don't see really anything about the show from what we've put out on the internet and stuff so far you see this bear you know people might mistake it for something that's for kids only you know it's actually not it touches on some really quite heavy themes but if you do choose to read it as that as tommy said as well this this show is full of like bright colors and milkshakes and bears like there is an element but that's again ideas of coping mechanisms that's not just something that happens for people who are who have adhd that happens for people that have any kind of yes ex experiences everyone has coping mechanisms you know and there's elements i think there's this whole idea that you you see one thing and actually the show is something completely different which you might have got from the way it was getting described you know, there's a lot of moving parts it's the idea that okay fine i'm looking at a dancing bear what does that have to do with adhd and is that something that i can relate to but actually there's so many universal parts of this show that it really is. I love yeah. My final question for this first part of the interview, I'm going to start with you, Harper, and it's who do you hope have access to this show? I personally, again, because I work in this in an art gallery and this is something new, I think this is a really interesting show because it toes this West End theatre audience as well as this like, quite traditional art world audience. So I'd be particularly happy to see it really reaching out to our our usual community which can often be quite set in its ways or you know you don't go to a white cube gallery and expect to see an immersive theatre performance on your regular weekday so I think that would be I would like it you know it's something completely different it's something completely fresh and it's a step away from even performance pieces we've put on in the past so yeah I'd like it to you know blow some minds from the traditional art crowd that's awesome I didn't even think about that and then rounding us out, Tommy, who do you have access to your show, Nobody's Bear? Very similar to Harper in that I would love to see the two worlds come together. I, I do want the, the arts and theatre world to combine. I think I want the public to access this too. Our tickets are on sale on, as we said, on Time Out London. And I do want people to come from an entertainment point of view, to come and have their McDonald's, to eat teddy bears, confetti and milkshake, and then go... Oh, this said an awful lot about neurodiverse people. Okay, 
and and walk away maybe with that element of surprise or you know, as Harper said to make people go I didn't see that coming and that would be really fresh and exciting I'd, I'd, I'd like to see that I hope for that shift gears now and I want to talk more about both of your experience in the theater itself and give our listeners a chance to kind of pick your brains get to know you a little bit more Mm -hmm. and I want to start by asking you both what shows or playwrights or composers in the past have inspired you or do you love Tommy I'm going to start with you on that one who who or what inspires you uh, I have so many theatrical inspirations. Being a theatre boy and that being a, a huge love of mine, I have always loved Fosse, and he he died the year I was born. And I did spend a lot of my uh, neurodiverse early years believing that I was the second incarnation of Fosse because I was so connected to his work. And whenever I saw anything, I felt so deeply impacted that I was convinced that I must be some living part of him. And I'm not ruling that out just yet now that I've written a show about how connected <laughs> we all are. That's not been ruled out. But all of Fosse's work, again, is those beautiful layers and lots of really cool messages into, into more modern theatre. His his mode, I mean, I think the icon of theatre today would be Stephen Meir, who's created on Broadway and West End, has always been. And again, we share a birthday, interestingly, and he loves Fosse. <laughs> so there's other links there. He's uh, an absolute great and I adore his work. His work has a classic quality that makes me feel warm and nostalgic and safe and reminds me of golden films and movies. And yeah, I love Stephen Meir work uh, as the modern progression of Fosse. He's, to me, he's the modern day version of. So yeah, that's my, that that would be some of that. That's in terms of my theatre influences, some. I love it. Harper, what yes. ins- what or who inspires you? Well, I mean, in terms of theatre, this is my first like foray into producing a full West End production. And as it goes, I mean, I'm like the black sheep of my family. My family are obsessed with musicals. They love like everything. They go to theatre all the time and just leave me at home because I'm not a massive musical fan. <laughs> However, yeah, I like like really, I, I like like Harold Pinter and like horrendously depressing theatre. But <laughs> I love what you were saying about dance because that's the side of it that I absolutely adore. And that same feeling of like, I'm not a dancer, though I'd love to be. But when you watch it, you're totally transfixed. Like I can't, I, I don't feel like I'm missing out on a story when I'm watching dance. When you watch ballet or something like that, you don't, you know, I think people go in and you have this preconception that it's going to be like really complicated and you can never know what, but it's, you know, you're following it. It's amazing. Like I remember seeing Matthew Bourne's Swan Lake, you know, the like all male production when I was maybe like 15 and crying because I was so moved. And I was like, how has dance done this? Like (laughs) what is happening to me? And since then, absolutely obsessed with Matthew Bourne and everything he does. So that would be where I lean. So it's great that Tommy's a dancer. Yes. Have either of you seen any great theater lately that you might be able to recommend to our listeners? 
Yes, I I like the production of cabaret that's happening at the moment on the embankment is really exceptional and special. Cabaret is such a fantastic piece of work. We're talking about another fossy piece of work, of course. I hate that it's got a little bit too uh, swayed on the fossy side. However, that said, it's such a unique production and again has followed a narrative and it's followed its heart and it's been brave to do something really new and immersive. So that I think is really exciting because they've created the whole theatre into the Kit Kat Club and you're, you're immersed in the venue. And so there's a real exciting place in London and around the world at the moment for people wanting more than the proscenium arch moment and wanting to be more involved. And so it's kind of cool because Nobody's Bear is sitting in this really cool time. We're going on in spring. Among all these very cool things in London that are saying, let's immerse, let's bring art together. There's other big art shows doing it. Adidas are doing a huge show at the moment that combines street art and artists and music. Fenty have just done it as well at the Excel. They had Alicia Keys and Mont Blanc and live performers. And they met Art World with performance. And so I really feel that we're, it's all happening at the right time and place. So exciting immersive theatre at the moment would be Cabaret on the Embankment. And I also am watching closely the production of SpongeBob SquarePants because it is delicious and fun and cartoon and safe and ADHD realness. Stunning singing. Gareth Gates is amazing as Squidworth. And so, yeah, that's my other recommendation is SpongeBob SquarePants, the musical. It's an insanely fantastic show. It's a show that Which, if the casting director wants to come to Nobody's Bear and thinks he could he should be SpongeBob in between before taking Nobody's Bear to New York, that's fine. I will <laughs> come and play Mr. SpongeBob. We'll we'll definitely pass this personally on to them. You that... have just reminded me because I said I would do a shout out, so I cannot, I don't want to forget. But on immersive musicals, before we move on, because it's a must to include on the list, it's nowhere lower than Cabaret or Spongebob for my recommendations for everyone, which is Guys and Dolls, starring Marisha Wallace at the moment, is really forward in that you are literally immersed with the actors. They move freely around you, uh, literally around you. And the end, you're just on stage partying with them. It's quite unique. I haven't been to see it yet. Marisha is a friend that I've sung with and I was lucky enough to meet on ships a few years ago and now she's doing incredible things and taking the world continually by storm. But another huge recommendation, which is, it speaks for itself as soon as you look it up in terms of reviews and everyone loving it. But Guys and Dolls at the moment in London is my other top great choice. Show. Great show. Yeah, I've heard nothing but great things about that cabaret and I... I'm praying they bring that version over here because I've heard nothing but amazing things about it. And I'm also just like, maybe I just need to bite the bullet, buy a ticket, get over there and just see it, you know, because it, yeah. I've heard um, maybe you should come over in May yeah. to see it. Yeah. Oh, I hear that's at the same time as this great show called <laughs> Nobody's Bear. So do I. Yeah, me too. <laughs> hot tickets, hot tickets. Get these hot tickets. Let's go. <laughs> well, just a couple more questions for the two of you. What is your favorite part about working in the theater? Tommy, why don't I start with you on that? The most exciting thing about working in theater for me is that I get the opportunity to fully express myself. I get to tell stories and talk about 
fantastical thoughts and ideas without being judged because I believe and feel them. And I can hide in theatre as it's all a bit of showbiz when actually it's a very, very personal, immersive place that we need. Theatre has been every single bit of part of me since since I but growing up and since I've been born. So yeah, theatre is 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 important because it makes up a part of who I am. The theatre is the the showman in me is the first layer. And then the stories and everything else is I am a walking musical. So yeah, that's <laughs> I love that. No, 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 no. Always embody that. I love that I am a walking musical. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Harper, how about you? What's your favorite part? Maybe this is the theater in general. Maybe this is just working with Tommy. I'm not sure. But like this whole mentality of just yes saying yes to everything or this seems impossible but let's make it work you know like we're doing this show that's completely there's no precedent for it we're almost running like can we do this is that physically possible okay if it is let's give it a try like that's something that i've never experienced yeah until now so it's, it's just positivity that i think everyone's so ready to express themselves that you don't want to acknowledge if there are limitations and by not acknowledging that there are they then go away because you do just go in with this mindset of like, yeah, we could probably make that happen, actually. So, yeah, it's lovely. I love that. We have arrived now at my favorite question, and I can't wait to hear both of your answers. But it's what is your favorite theater memory? Uh, Tommy, okay. are you ready with one? Yes, because I nearly went embarrassing moment. But now I, I, I've changed that. But <laughs> that's not my favorite moment. It just was a standout scarred moment when I split trousers from front to back on stage and had to change physically on the stage. But that's not my favorite moment. <laughs> my favorite moment was that before working with Tim Rice as an adult, when I was a kid, I got to sing as part of a mass choir at the Royal Albert Hall for the Queen. And I was singing the solo descant when I had a fantastic, when before my voice broke and I was mezzo-soprano. And I, was playing piano and was sat down in the pit and this man came to join me and I was singing I was singing Where Is Love from Oliver and was trying to play on the piano and he said how about I play it for you and I sing and I was like yes but I don't know because you might not be able to play as well as me and I, I was living in my not realizing that the the man that I was talking to was uh, Android Weber, and and he was like, no, no, I think I, I think I've got it. I, I I think I could play this for you, and you sing. And I sat and just had this really honest human moment where I sat with one of the geniuses of music. And then when life came around later on, where our paths sort of then crossed again, and I was singing for his lyricist but it's like one of my favorite moments because it had no ego and if I could be a fly on the wall to watch young me challenge Lloyd Webber with my if only you could play like me allow me to show it it's like no no let me play for you and you sing I would love to rewatch that moment so it's probably my favorite theatrical moment maybe I have others but they're usually more embarrassing that is incredible oh my <laughs> gosh <laughs> That's amazing. Harper, what is your favorite theater movie? Well, mine is a bit less, you know, less glamorous showbiz. I haven't met Andrew Lloyd Webber, but 
But she has met the queen. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> mine's actually really simple. I just remember being like four or five years old. And for some reason, I like it must have been like a doctor's appointment or something. My mum had taken me out of school and then let me have the whole day off school to go to the theatre. And we went and saw Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, which was my favourite film. And like, that is my first memory I've ever had of like theatre, you know, going like, what it's real like this film is real like <laughs> catcher used to would like run around in the audience i remember he had a big old net and i was terrified and like all of the stuff that was i was like oh my god like these things can be real the theater is like a totally magical side of theater that you don't always get now you're older but like yeah and just everything like the fact that i was like hanging out with my parents and i should have been at school and it just felt really fun um, I love yeah. that we've just discovered that about you, Harper, that doesn't <laughs> like musical theatre. And then the show you've just Chitty confessed to is Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Of yeah. There are some absolutely bangers of songs in that film. I won't hear otherwise. But other than that, it's a no musical for me. <laughs> <laughs> just I, that's I, one exception. <laughs> I will say her favourite memory was a musical. The most recent show she saw was a musical. Oh my god, uh -huh. you guys, you're exposing me. She's currently <laughs> producing a mini musical oh about god, a bear. Yeah. My family's gonna have to like take me back in. I feel like we, if I come over there and I go see a musical, I'm going to run into her and she's going to have a fake mustache. I'm like, that's a good man, you know? Harper? No, my name is Fitzroy. You're mistaken. <laughs> Those were two amazing memories, though. Oh, my gosh. I love both of them. Thank you both for sharing those. Thank you. Do either of you have any projects or productions coming on the line that we might be able to plug for either of you? We've <laughs> always got projects and things coming up. Not necessarily plug. I mean, I foresee somewhere that I'd love nobody's spared to go. I want to do other work and I'd like it to be immersive again. I'd love to see it at fairs I'd, uh, in the art world. I want to see it in other places. It's also inspired me wanting to create a neurodiverse dance company that will be based in London and will produce their own shows and concepts. So that's kind of the future in terms of future projects and what's in the pipeline. Nobody's Bear has created, it's set the sparks to my neurodiverse kingdom and world and I want that to grow and I want more X-Men to join me. Because if you get enough X-Men together, this is what I want to know. If I create this neurodiverse dance company and they've all these people that can read minds and, and do all these powerful things, I mean, that could be some really high level, interesting stuff going on on stage that you're all going to feel. And even if you don't know you're going to feel it, you're going to because we've got superpowers. So that's where I, that's where my projects are sort of heading from nobody's bear, potentially. So yeah, anyone that's in London, definitely come check out the art gallery. And obviously, if you wanted a dance lesson, Tommy teaches at a lot of, you know, a lot of places around London, including Pineapple. So maybe book a little lesson with him <laughs> yes. when you're not rehearsing. I start a new class next month at Pineapple Studios every Wednesday at 2.30. Oh, amazing. And that's a perfect segue to my final question, which is if our listeners want more information about Nobody's Bear or about the two of you, maybe they want to reach out to you. How can they do that? Well, first one, Nobody's Bear Instagram account is run by both me and Tommy, so you can get at us that way. Pi Artworks London is the main gallery Instagram. And again, you can reach out to us that way or check out the website. Tommy, I think with your personal. Yeah, they're, they're definitely the, the best ways. I mean, in terms of you, 
you can Google the bits that we do. You can access classes at Pineapple Studios. And me and Harper have just come back from Istanbul, where, again, Play Artwork, they have a gallery out there as well. And I was working with another artist that's represented there in a, in a, in a collaborative show and was singing and dancing to AI robots about the pursuit of happiness. And it was fantastic. I had this amazing week. Not Nobody's Bear relative, but to other artists that are at Pi Artworks. So there's some amazing artists and shows that go on. But I was lucky enough to collaborate with one of the artists and go out to Istanbul with the team, which was amazing. It's cool. It was a cool show. Tommy Harper, thank you so much for taking the time today to speak with me and just blow my mind with these amazing discussions <laughs> and these deep discussions and this fascinating show. I really appreciate you introducing it to me and sharing it with me. So thank you both so much. You're welcome. welcome. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having us. Yes. My guests today have been the writer and performer Tommy Langdale and Pi Artworks London Gallery assistant Harper Doyle who are putting on the new show, Nobody's Bear, which is being presented and produced by Pi Artworks London. The 4th of May through the 14th of May at Pi Artworks Fitzrovia in London. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting timeoutlondon.com. You can also check out the show's Instagram for more information, which is at nobody's underscore bear. We also have some other links to follow our guests and the amazing Pi Artworks venue. We'll be posting those on our episode description as well as our social media. But in the meantime, if you are in the London area between the 4th of May and the 14th of May, check out this incredible, immersive, amazing show, this powerful show called Nobody's Bear. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep your masks on. And keep talking about the theatre. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.